BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you once again here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a winning edition of the HHC. Hornets take a 104-96 victory over the New York Knicks back at the Hive at long last at Spectrum Center. We'll break down the win, give out our gold medals, if you will, our top performers from this game, and talk about the schedule overall. Hornets are 7-7, seven and seven, and you might look at that and say they're only 7-7, seven and seven, but why that record is a bit misleading as to just how well the Hornets have been playing. Tackling all these topics with me, he's my producer on the Hornets radio network, Rob Longo. And Rob, let's start with the win. Charlotte came out a little bit slow in this one last night, falling behind 34-18. to Really, it was the brilliant play play of former Hornet Kemba Walker. He was on fire early, scored 26 points overall in the game, but the bulk of them came in that first quarter action. Hornets after that able to get things done defensively. We entered the game, my big find for the previous 24 hours was this statistic that the Hornets were unbeaten whenever they held an opponent under 20 points in a quarter, any quarter. Didn't matter which one, first, second, third, fourth, didn't matter. You hold them under 20 in a quarter, the Hornets are unbeaten. And I kept waiting for it to happen. They almost got in the second quarter, Nick scored 21. Almost got in the third quarter, Nick scored 21 again. Almost got in the fourth quarter, Nick scored 20. I'm like, man, my stat's not going to come true. But it doesn't matter because that collective improved defense allowed the Hornets offense to really take hold. They end up moving forward, winning all three of the remaining quarters and walking out with a 104-96 to win. Before we get to some of the highlights on this one, your top line takeaway from this big Hornets victory over the Knicks. 
for me, it was just the way that the team battled back. You talked about how the Hornets held them to 21 points or less in those final three quarters. That first quarter, they were down 16. I mean, they let up 34 points. You mentioned it. It was just a really great effort from Kemba Walker. And the defense just didn't really have an answer. I mean, the switching was not good in the man-to-man. They did play a little bit of zone in there as well. And it seemed to kind of rattle the Knicks a little bit. It was that changeup that we talked about on yesterday's edition of the Hornets Hive cast a smidge. But, you know, the way that the Hornets just play, they've done this all season. And they did this last year, too. They just don't quit. I mean, it's very easy to come out and be down 16 points in the first quarter and say, well, it's not our night. We're not hitting our three-point shots. We were 2-16 of in the first two quarters, and then they cranked it up from beyond the arc, too. They got hot in the third quarter, putting up 34 points. I mean, we've seen big third quarters from them ever since that first game of the season against the Pacers here at the Hive, and you know, they go 8-19 of from three-point land in the second half. Definitely improved a lot more. The defense got a lot better. Of course, you know, New York made a very good run in the fourth quarter, and the thing for me, Sam, too, is that fourth quarter it was an electric atmosphere. I know we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it kind of felt like a little bit of a game that you would see in April here at the Hive. Yeah, it, it was a great atmosphere. Great to see the Hive alive. It's just getting louder and more fun night in, night out to, to see this team get to compete in front of a, a fan base that I think starved for this kind of atmosphere and is responding to this team and the team is responding to the crowd in turn. Look, this was a really resilient game, I thought, from Charlotte. They didn't shoot the ball well at all. The number one three-point shooting team in the NBA was two for 17 or something ridiculous like that at the end of the first half from three. Really had to battle just to get to 27%, which is 10 points, percentage points, lower than their season average entering the game. So this was not a good shooting performance. Several Hornets struggled from deep. Miles Bridges made the second most threes on the team. He was 3 of 10. Guys like LaMelo Ball were 0 for 5. Gordon Hayward, who had a career-long 10-game streak coming into it of games with multiple made threes, he was 0 for from deep. But everyone found ways to contribute. And and that's something that I think was really important. They didn't let a poor three-point shooting night throw them off their game. They didn't let a couple of really hot starts for the Knicks and cold starts for the Hornets in this one take them out of it completely. They just kept playing, counting on the percentages, and eventually uh, they played through. One big performance in particular. You mentioned the crowd, and there was a point in the game where, let's face it, certain teams have very big fan bases that like to travel. And Charlotte's a great place to come to. I'm not going to argue with any New Yorker that wants to make the trip down to the Queen City. You should. It's a wonderful place to be. I love it here. But a lot of them seem to make the trip in to see the Knicks. And they got a little crazy after a certain Obi Toppin dunk. He had a free run. He was wide open. He did this big windmill dunk. Good dunk. Really good dunk. I like Obi Toppin. Very good player. Great athlete. I think the Hornets noticed, particularly Miles Bridges, because he got a similar free run and went out and did the exact same thing. Walker drives. Walker lay in. No. Ball taps the rebound ahead to Oubre. Up to Hayward. One more for Miles. Here's a highlight for you. He'll match Obi Toppin with the windmill. Anything you can do, I can do better. Tied at 93. The timing of it was awesome. The fact that he mirrored what Obi Toppin did was awesome. And in a night where every time the Knicks fans got a little confidence and started to get loud, the Hornets fans kind of pushed him back and said, hey, wait a minute, this is our house. Our team's playing well. We're supporting them. We're not going to let you try and take over this building. It was nice to see the players do the exact same thing on the floor. What a great atmosphere. I mean, I was just sitting down here in the studio, and, you know, it's a pretty soundproof room for the most part. But, you know, when the Hive gets rocking, you 
you can hear it a little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of reverb in here. So, you know, there were a couple times where I got a little excited and, you know, I kind of drowned out the crowd my own down here. But, you know, you can hear them kind of piercing through the walls. And it's just such a great atmosphere. You know, obviously, kudos to the Hornets fans. I mean, yeah, New York is a huge city. There's a lot of transplants from New York here in the Queen City. And I get that. They're going to support their team. But, you know, the way that the Hornets fans really, like you mentioned, pushed back and Miles Bridges was able to feed off that crowd, it just became this great environment that, you know, we're, we're going to talk about for, you know, at least the next 48 hours as well, especially now that the Hornets have this nice four-game homestand after having such a lengthy West Coast trip. But, you know, the way that Miles Bridges plays with that emotion, the way he's able to harness it and get everybody else behind him, because, you know, like you heard on that highlight, that tied the game at 93. Kelly Oubre comes down and hits a three-pointer to make it 96-93, and that's the last time the Hornets took the lead for good. So, I mean, just momentum plays like that. If you put them under a microscope and you only see them for one play and you just hear that highlight, you think, yeah, sure, it's a great play at the end of the game, but it wasn't a buzzer beat or anything like that. It ended up being a huge play because it really sparked the Hornets moving forward for those final couple of minutes. Good win for the Hornets. Gets them back to 500, 7 and 7 overall, depending on how you, you stack them up. Charlotte's basically in ninth place right now in the East. They are a game out of a top six position. They are less than three games away from being in first place. So uh, there's, there's certainly a big grouping right now, and we'll get into that later, just how far away are the teams at the front, how far behind are the teams at the back, and what does the, the overall schedule mean? But certainly a big win, however you slice it, for the Hornets here, taking it by a final tally of 104-96 to over the Knicks. We'll talk about individual standouts next here on the Hornets Hivecast. I'm not anti-aging. I'm pro-looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need to take on the day. From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, it's time to uh, give our standout performers from this one. I'll let you go first. You give a gold medalist. We'll go deeper on them, and then we'll have quick hitters on secondary players that we really wanted to highlight for their performances in this one. You may have the honor, sir. Hornets, a 104-96 win. Which player stood out to you the most? I got to go with Miles Bridges. I mean, that's the pretty obvious one, and he had a pretty sweet play down the stretch. Give to Miles. Miles, one-on-one with Randall. Bridges hits with a spin move. Up for the right-handed finger roll. Oh, what a move. I'm not going to lie, Sam. I had to get out of my chair here in the studio and, and shimmy a little bit because that move just gave me goosebumps. We haven't really seen Miles pull out the spin move. He said in the postgame press conference that's something that he's worked on with his trainer during the offseason, but we haven't seen it. He said we haven't seen it in clutch time, and we definitely saw it in clutch time there. It was just a phenomenal move, blowing past a guy who was an all-star last year. So Miles Bridges just all around a really great performance. Once again, the highlight is line, 24 points. He was only 3 of 10 from beyond the arc, but the thing I like about it is because of moves like that. He was 8 of 17 from the floor. He did a great job attacking the rim. He ended up going 5 of 8 from the foul line too, which by his standards are not great, but you know he still ended up going to the line 8 times. 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal. And one of those blocks came right at the end. The Knicks were trying to just chip away at the very last seconds in the waning moments, and Miles just said, I'm not having any of that. Pinned the ball against the glass. Lamella Ball was able to dribble it out for ended up being a, a 104-96 win. So, you know, Miles Bridges all in all, I know we've talked 
talked about it a couple times where he just had these you know multiple 30 plus point games to start the season and a lot of people were like this isn't going to keep up he's not going to be able to keep this pace well so far he's been pretty darn close and he's just been one of those guys that has just elevated his game through the first 14 games of the season now well that was my favorite play of the game for miles bridges for a couple reasons and he had huge plays all across the night he hit some big threes he had the windmill dunk which we've already played for you he had a great and one play in that late portion of the contest as well but the reason that play i thought was the most significant is for a couple of reasons one is the timing of it it was a three-point game it made it a five-point game stretches it to two possession lead at a pivotal point in the contest and basically removes the knicks opportunity to tie it on the next shot that was huge another reason maybe a more important one is we've seen a lot of different ways miles bridges can score the basketball open floor clearly he's one of the best athletes in the nba he can and will jump over anyone you put in front of him no matter how big sorry clint capella he just has that ability he's also shown himself to be a knockdown three-point shooter he can shoot it from the corner catch and shoot pull-ups he's got them all those are big things one thing we haven't seen and we haven't really seen it from a lot of players outside of Gordon Hayward is isolation plays for the most part, the only player that really takes the ball in ISO situations and backs someone down or goes head-to-head with someone is Gordon Hayward. Part of it's the flow of the offense. Part of it is, you know, there's a, there's a variety of reasons for it, but I can't remember a play like that where Miles Bridges is given the ball in a position, basically everyone else is out of the way, and you're taking on a really good player in Julius Randle, an all-star from last season. You're going one-on-one, and your job is to score, and him to just take him off the dribble and make him look silly with a beautiful spin move. I think that's significant. I think that is a next step type of play in what Miles Bridges brings because there are going to be times that teams are going to try and take the three away from him, take driving lanes away from him, or just say, anyone beats us in the fast break except for Miles Bridges. We're not going to be on posters. We're not going to be on Center. Let someone else dunk the basketball. But for him to be able to do that, you can't take that away unless you double him. And we've seen Gordon Hayward's a good example. When you start doubling Gordon Hayward, his eyes get big because it's like, great, here come four assists and Miles Bridges can do the same thing. So I like the the highlight call there, uh, Rob Longo from Miles Bridges. My player pick is someone Miles mentioned, that's Gordon Hayward. Oh, when Gordon's aggressive, we're at our best. I mean, because he could score, he could pass. Um, He's a smart player. Um, He he knows how to make plays, especially in the clutch. So um, he's aggressive, we're at our best. So uh, I'm I'm constantly staying on G to stay aggressive um, and play his game and, and do what he do. I like that Gordon Hayward's getting some love here. I don't know why fans or or commentators are always looking at Gordon Hayward's line and, and expecting it to be more. The guy's basically averaging 20 points per game. He's done it, I think, in five of his last six games. He's shooting a career-best number from beyond the arc. Everything is lining up for Gordon Hayward, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that some stars, Kemba Walker was a good example last night. He goes for 17 points in a quarter, and it grabs your attention and shakes you and says, I am a star player and I'm about to put up 30 on the board and you're going to pay attention to me. Gordon Hayward's offense never seems to disappear. He's just six points a quarter, seven points a quarter. Maybe if he gets hot, he gives you 10. Maybe if he gets cold, he only gives you four. But he's consistent. He's always there. And when you look at the box score at the end of the night, six plus five plus seven plus six again, and oh, he went for 24 points. It didn't feel like he had that big of an impact, but he's always there. This is one of the games where I felt he had an impact. He came in at the start of the second half. The team was down nine. He put seven on the board immediately, and all of a sudden it's tied. And every play 
Gordon Hayward as either the shooter or the passer for the start of that third quarter, and it, it turned what was a losing game into a winning situation. Gordon talked about, after the game, his responsibility to the team to be an assertive player when it's needed. Yeah, for sure. I got to continue to look to be aggressive in different ways, and I think I've said it before, it's not always going to be for me, but opening it up for other players too, playmaking, getting in the paint, making reads, putting pressure on the defense is something I have to continue to do and not just float around. You know, we have so many weapons. You know, so we got to try to utilize all of us, and that's myself included. I don't want Gordon Hayward to be bashed for being too unselfish, but he is a very unselfish player. It's why he fits so well into this team. That said, what he said is true. There are times that he needs to be aggressive. What Miles said is true. There's times they want him to be aggressive, and this was a night where he came out and was that guy, where he took it on himself to get this team, again, from trailing by three possessions to a lead very quickly, and it was all based around his play. Yeah, I mean, 22 points, seven assists, five rebounds you talked about. I mean, there were times where the Knicks tried to pressure him, you know, as soon as he crossed the timeline, if he brought the ball up, and that's when his eyes got his biggest sauces, where he was just able to find the open guy and do kind of just a perimeter swing around to find the open man. So we've talked about so many times on the podcast and on the broadcast as well. You know, Gordon Hayward is the floor of this team. And as Gordon Hayward has played really well the last couple of games, I mean, he's been north of 20 how many times? the last couple of games now and I think the one game that he didn't score 20 he scored like 17 or something like that and I think it's his last six games so once the Hornets went out to the west coast he's really picked up his game and we've seen the overall play of the Hornets rise to the level as well and you know one more thing before we get on the next subject too Sam is we can't go without mentioning LaMelo Ball 12 points, 17 rebounds, which is a career high. He was an assist shy of a triple-double. I feel like not only in local markets, but national markets as well, when a player is just doing this on a nightly basis, we kind of lose the attention that it kind of deserves. I mean, when you take a look at like a LeBron James or when Russell Westbrook has a triple-double almost every other night the last couple of seasons, it gets kind of lost in the shuffle. So, you know, I, I have to give a little cap tip as well to LaMelo Ball because this is the stat line that we are starting to expect from him, but we still it still doesn't mean that we can't recognize it as well career high 17 rebounds very fitting and yeah one assist away from a triple double also five big steals he was great earning extra possessions for his team out there last night I'll give a tip of the cap to Terry Rozier it's a weird stat it's a kind of a negative stat but I think it's more of a showing just like he's not quite there yet meaning he's about to explode on some people. Scary Terry's about to arrive. He has yet to have a game where he shoots 50% or better from beyond the arc. He had 20 of those last year. He got close last night. He was two for five. He was sitting on two for four for a while, and then he offered one up and it didn't go down. But he had 18 points. He had four rebounds. He had three assists. He's playing some really good minutes at the backup point guard, and there's a variety of reasons for that we might get into at a later podcast. But Terry Rozier, it's coming close. He's almost to full scary Terry mode, and watch out when he does. I've said it a lot on this podcast, on several different forums where I'm lucky enough to appear. I don't think, as good as the Hornets offense is, arguably the best in the NBA through the first 14 games. I don't think we've seen their best game yet because we haven't seen all pieces firing on all cylinders. That day is going to come. Hornets win 104 to 96. They're seven and seven. Is that just a 500 record or does it mean a little bit more? We'll talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast. 
Hornets fans. Make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. So, Rob Longo, Hornets are now 7-7. Seven and seven. They take the win over the New York Knicks, a conference opponent, so it brings the Knicks a little bit closer to them in the overall standings, depending on how you're looking at things at the start of business today. Hornets are either in ninth or 10th. Really, it doesn't matter. It's a long season, and we're still in the pretty much the infancy of it. But there are some trends to recognize that have to do with the schedule. I've said it a lot over the last couple of days. Hornets, to this point, have played more games, meaning they've had less rest, and played more road games. They've been in more hostile environments than any other team in the NBA. What is that impact on their record to this point? Well, 4-5 and on the road I don't think is that bad. Taking a West Coast trip, there's a lot of what you would normally look back and say, these are schedule losses. These are circumstances where the team that's facing either night two of back-to-backs or the long road trip or three games in four days or whatever it is, is at a real disadvantage and might not be expected to win in hindsight. Quite frankly, you could have made that argument for the Memphis game, and I would have said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But both LA games were on back-to-backs, going to Golden State after a cross-country flight that a lot of people would look at as a schedule loss. There's a lot of those things in there. So I think the Hornets have played much better than 7-7. Seven and seven. But here's an interesting thing that I saw when you look a little deeper at the, the schedule. Chicago Bulls played their 12th game last night, but they were in a top-two possession uh, when business got started, basically. If you look at the teams that are in first or second or in a tie for first or second in both conferences, the trend is most of the time, they've played right around the least number of games in the league. They've had the most rest built into their schedule. Washington Wizards, 11 games. They're 8-3. and three. Nets are 9-4. and four. I think they're a great team, and so they've kind of overcome it. They're tied for that top spot. And then right behind them is the Chicago Bulls, and the Bulls have only played 12 games at this point, so they've had a lot more rest. Doesn't sound like it. Two less games in this period of time, but the Hornets have not had a two-day gap yet. So two less games means two extra days of practice that the Hornets aren't getting. Two extra days of recovery that the Hornets are not getting, at least, on your schedule. Same thing in the Western Conference. Golden State Warriors have played 12 games right now. They are far and away the best record, but they have played predominantly at home. They just wrapped up last night an eight-game homestand. So every team's going to play 41 at home and 41 on the road. But when you get all of them in a row and you get the benefit of rest on top of it, yeah, you should do this if you're a really good team. Similarly, the Phoenix Suns, they've only played 11 games to this point in time. So, yeah. They've had more rest than anyone. They're the defending Western Conference champs. It all kind of lines up. So that's why when I'm pointing out like, hey, the Hornets are 7-7. and Yeah, they're, they're just barely in those top 10 positions. But wait a minute. Look closer. Look how much time they've spent on the road. This is going to turn in their favor. They'll get more rest. They'll get more time at Spectrum Center. And they'll start to see the record reflect that. And I would rather have it happen at the beginning of the season as well. When you take a look at the way that the Hornets have had the schedule shake out, yeah, they've only played five home games. That is on the lower end of the NBA. And the road games, the way that they have played nine games on the road so far, that is on the higher end. So, you know, like you said, it's all going to even out at the end, 41 at home, 41 on the road. But if you're going to get these long road trips out of the way 
and you're going to stay around the 500 mark, I will gladly take that. I mean, if you're able to sit at home later in the season and have more home games, have more rest, I'm all for that. Get the bad road trips out of the way early while the team is hopefully really healthy. You know, obviously you want to keep that health the whole season, but if you told me the Hornets are going to go one and four on a West Coast road trip to a Golden State team that is one of the top teams in the association as one of the best starts in NBA history, and then you got a couple of other teams in there like what was a really good Cleveland team at home that they ended up losing to. You have a Sacramento team which was just hot that night and the Hornets just did not shoot the ball very well. And then you got a really good defensive team like the Clippers, and then you got kind of a toss-up on the second night of a back-to-back against the Lakers, you know, like you said, they're going to be schedule losses. So I would just rather have all of this stuff out of the way early. The record is what it is. And you just kind of got to move forward from there. Now you got a nice four game homestand against some really quality opponents. Obviously, you got some good ones coming up against Golden State. And it's going to be a really big one on Wednesday as we sneak a little bit further down the line of the schedule against Washington, because that's going to be a division game as well. You're going to see the Wizards a couple more times this season. So, you know, every game is a big game, as cliche as it sounds, but that's just the way that the schedule shakes out right now for the Hornets. Well, and that one against Washington, the Hornets for the first time all season will have had back to back days off leading into it. So again, the schedule is going to turn after December, basically after Christmas. The Hornets are going to have many more home games than they're going to have road games. They're going to have many more two and three day breaks between games. And some of the teams that have had the benefit of rest, that have had the benefit of the home schedule, they're going to have to start going on the road. And that should allow the Hornets opportunities to start to climb the ladder and make a run up the Eastern Conference standings. Next opportunity for the Hornets is tomorrow. Hornets will take on the Golden State Warriors and we'll have our preview podcast for you for that one. Rob Longa, you feel like joining me for that one as well? I had so much fun today. Let's do it again tomorrow. We will do it. So for Rob Longo and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. Hornets, big, big victory. They improved to 7-7 seven and seven after a 104-96 win over the New York Knicks. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.